everything I do, I try to add value to people and real estate. So every person I meet, every person I talk to, I want to add value, leave it better than you found it. And that's the same that I want to do with real estate. I want to, when I touch a piece of property or I help a first time home buyer, I want to leave them better. So I want them to just know that when they're hearing me and they're maybe seeing me, if it's on online or YouTube or Facebook, um, that I genuinely want to help them. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and I am joined with my co-host, Jason Lewis. I need to call me a co-host too, Jason. We're both, we're the same, we're co-hosts, and I'm thrilled to have you. Well, first off, how are you today? Doing great. It's awesome. a wonderful uh, afternoon here in Denver. Yeah, the weather is really good today. So we picked uh, we picked a splendid day to be inside, right? Exactly. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So there's a lot about Jason that I that I think we can get into. But what is important to stress is what are we doing on this episode? I want to just make sure that I know you've heard Jason's voice a couple of times on the podcast. You've heard him on a couple of episodes. You've heard him on a couple of um, ads. And um, I'm just assuming that you're thinking to yourself, who's Jason? Why is there two, uh, why is there two hosts now? Um, what changed? Why did it change? And so I want to bring that out for you, just kind of help you know, why it was so important to me to say I needed to have somebody on the show with his skills. And so I've got somebody now on the show with his skills and we're going to get to know him a little bit better. We're going to understand where did he come from? Where is he, where is he going? What is he do, doing? What has he done? And what I know you're going to find is that Jason Lewis, J. Lou is remarkable. The things that he's done are really uh, amazing He's been, I wouldn't call it slow and steady, but I would say it's definitely steady and it's been uh, happening since he was seven years old and I can't wait to get into that. Um, Jason, let me, let me do this. I could speak very highly about you and I could do it for a long period of time, but I want to at least, uh, I, want to, I want the listener to hear it from you. I want them to, to get to know you, get to know your voice, get to know now, I'm going to ask you this. This is my first question. Why did you even accept, why did you even agree to being a, a podcast co-host? Like what, what was going through your mind when we were talking about you being part of the show? That, that's really easy. That's, it's two things that come to mind right away that I know that was, was going through my mind at that time. Um, it's what I feel is kind of the Grant Cardone lifestyle. So I've been seeing so much out there, so much content being put out there in front of a private jet, walking up the, the private ramp into your jet with your Bentley waiting. And it's, and they're selling these people that want to get into real estate. They're selling that lifestyle, 39, 59, $99. And um, you made the comment slow and steady that, and that is exactly what I, I believe in. I'm a farm kid, third generation kind of farm kid. And, and every farmer is slow and steady. You are born on the farm. You start working at seven 
And then hopefully you will pass away in your 90s or early hundreds and you will have left it better than you found it. Hopefully if you had a thousand acres, you leave it to your kids or grandkids with a thousand one acres. If you had a thousand cattle, a thousand one. It is slow and steady. It is my grandpa was a Cadillac on cruise control. I mean, you put it on 55 and you just slow and steady. And uh, um, I, I do believe that really is is the creative way to do it. Um, it's the, it's the right, maybe not always for everyone, but it's the right way for me. And I know that you have a belief that it's the niche focus on one thing, be a syndicator of multifamily hundred units or greater in Oklahoma city. It's you are a master at that. The 10,000 hours. I'm the opposite of that. Uh, I do a little of every asset class and I just want to bring a different, uh, style to it that you don't have to do it big and f- fancy and you don't maybe have to do it a niche. There are creative ways to do it however you want to, whether it's real estate, your life, your, um, your fitness, your health, whatever that is, there is multiple different ways to get creative. Creative doesn't mean one thing. And I know you say that a lot, don't you Adam with, it's like you say creative podcast isn't only about and it's lease options or lease subject options. to or yeah. just, yeah, it's, it, I feel like there's a lot of people that jump on the show and they, yep. they jump on the show and they say, this seems like an interesting show. I would love to learn a little bit about what this creativity means. And there's some people that jump on and say, you know what? I really want to do a sandwich lease option. So I I'm hoping that I just learned that on this show, but they might be disappointed because it's, we don't just talk about one thing. Like I syndicate deals. I buy properties without my money. That's pretty creative. That's out of the box. That's other people are putting, um, they're putting uh, a ceiling, a glass ceiling on themselves. They're keeping themselves inside a box and they're saying, well, I don't have a million or $2 million right now. So there's no way I could put a, put a down payment on something like that. So it, all it is, like you said, is we need to have, it, the the right tool for the right job. And so I love having you on the show because you've been collecting tools since you were seven years old. And we might be able to get on into this episode. Who knows? Maybe it'll be another episode. Maybe we'll slowly learn about all the cool things that you've done, but we could be talking about all the burrs you've done. We could be talking about all of the house hacks that you've done with multiple people before they ever knew what house hacking was. They didn't call it house hacking. We could talk about airplanes and hangers and and, uh, mobile homes and self-storage and all sorts of random things that you've been able to uh, be a part of. But I love the the fact that that we are different, that I'm like focused on this one thing and I want to only do the one thing. And that's what I think success is, or that's what I've always thought success is. And seeing you be able to really crush it. I mean, truly, truly crush it. This is for the listener. Jason Lewis has about $20 million of property that he owns alone. It's insane to even think about that because when, when you hear me talk about, Oh, I've got a hundred million, you know, I might only own 1%, 3% of, of some of these deals. Right. Um, and so there's other people that come on the show and they're like, I've got 200, 200 million AUM or something assets under management, but, uh, they 
they only have a fractional ownership. But it's really interesting, the slow and steady since he was seven years old with pigs and, and we, hopefully we get into that a little bit, is that Jason has actually been able to uh, grow this to his goal of $20 million that he owns alone without partners, without even uh, private equity people, right? And you're going to be able to learn all of these different things. So if I will say um, the syndication stuff, still on the podcast, absolutely going to stay on the podcast, not only because I do it, but Jason, would you tell us just a little bit about the stuff you've been syndicating lately? Yeah, we actually two weeks ago wrapped up our last and latest uh, syndication for a couple million dollar new build project. Actually, um, it's over here on our wall for any of the listeners that are watching. Um, so put th- put this little, so this is a new build triplex that we had in Inglewood, Colorado. So we raised a, a group of dentists wanted to invest in real estate. So I wanted to get creative and, and they wanted to invest. So we knew of a piece of dirt that we could buy and that we could roll some of our new build um, designs and our crew would just new build for them. And then our brokerage company would sell it. Project manager would run the project. And I think uh, we paid them out 39% or something like that. And again, because of all the investing requirements or legalities, I, I can't disclose too much um, on the, on the private investment, but uh, let's just say that a week ago, I got an email from one of those investors that said they were able to buy a new trampoline for their kids during the stay at home. And the check that they got from this investment was just enough to, for them to feel where it wasn't guilty to splurge on a, uh, on a new trampoline for their kids because they're essentially locked in the house currently. So that's, I, I, I love all aspects of real estate. I love syndications. I love multifamily. I quasi like mobile home parks <laughs> just because of my experience. So I want to share those experiences with people. And, um, and then maybe they choose to be the Adam, AAA Adams and, and narrow focus and be an expert. Or maybe they, they choose to go the Jason Lewis kind of route of just slow and steady. It's every year try to acquire a little more real estate and just a little more next year and a little more. And it's a compounding interest effect. Like you put a dollar in, you get 10%. Now next year you're getting 10% on a dollar 10 and it's just that compounding interest. Uh, and I, and I like that. I like, that's my style. Uh, hopefully that comes across in, in this podcast on this one in all episodes that my story I want to tell because I want to add value to the listener. I want to add value to the guest. I want to get creative and help people think outside the box because at the end of the day, it's, it's fun. Being creative is fun and, and I'm not an artsy person. I can't remember any song to save my life. I've tried listening to, to every podcast and YouTube to how to play guitar and I can't do it. So my artsiness that I can get creative is real estate. So um, I want to share that with others. And let me, let me ask you this. I want to take it, I want to take it to like the other side because I know you've had so much success and I'm curious if there's ever been a, a failure or something that just didn't go the way that it was supposed to that you might be able to share 
um, with us right now. And I'm, I'm curious about that because I know that in general, the slow and steady way is the safer, easier way to go. And when you're really trying to go far and fast, like really um, fast, sometimes we lose some of the details. And that's, I know I've made several mistakes because I'm always really, it's, sometimes it's more ready fire aim then I always teach and try to train the listener to think more ready, aim, fire. The ready, aim, fire. Focus on the aiming part before you really pull the trigger. Um, and part of that is because I don't always do that myself. I have made mistakes in the past, and that's why I put have had to build a team and all this kind of stuff. So, But I'm curious. You've been going slow and steady since for 31 years. Um, so has there been times where something didn't go right? Yeah, definitely. I, that's also what I want to share, you know, with the listeners and, and the world now is that I think learning what you aren't uh, good at or what you aren't as a person is as powerful or more powerful than who you are. And learning about people's mistakes can be as powerful, more powerful than hearing about their wins. Cause it's sometimes difficult to take away uh, a lesson for you getting started when someone's had a home run. You're like, I just don't, I don't, how do I learn? How do I get there? But you hear someone make a mistake, then you can make sure that that mistake can get you that much closer to actually then getting the home run, you know? And yeah. I think um, when I look back at my mistakes, they've, They've been when I've gone too fast, too quick. Mobile homes, we jumped all in. I, I had a goal of buying a thousand mobile home pads across the Midwest and I just went all in. And it was with when I was running a full successful brokerage at the same time, we had a property management division. We had all this stuff and I just, I jumped in. I got too excited and I didn't follow who I am as a person is slow and steady. Again, I know a lot of people, I have a good friend that raised an $80 million fund for mobile home parks. That's not slow and steady, my friends. That is all in, 100% in. When you're raising $80 million and the way he structured it was very creative and some people could say risky, but it was all in. I know that gentleman wants the King Air lifestyle. You know, he, um, he, he, he wants that, you know, he, and he's going to get it. I don't really want or need the King Air lifestyle. I own a Cessna 1972 plane. That is the complete opposite of a, a King Air lifestyle. So I, I choose to get there slow and steady, but I have failed going back to your question. I have failed along the way. And it's because I got out of my, who I am and my kind of, comfort zone and going all in, but, um, mobile home parks, my dad, um, he went bankrupt when I was a young boy. I thought I'd take over the family farm and I saw what, what failure caused. And I saw the heartache, uh, and disruption that it can do to a person, to a family, to community. Uh, so I learned, at a young age that I chose to go slow and steady. Does that mean that that's the right way? No, it's just different way. So that kind of answer your question. Hopefully it does. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to get into just like asset classes. Yep. Uh, 
there has been a lot of times when, when I know I focus now, I'm completely focused. I do own three houses, but everything else is apartments. And um, in my past, I've tried several other things. And I grew up, my, my, my parents were real estate investors. So um, I, I want to list some of the asset classes that I've been involved with. And then I want you to list the asset classes that you've been involved with. And what I'm hoping, one of the things that I'm hoping that that will do for some of our listeners is to understand just kind of the experience that we, that we have between the two of us, um, what we've done, what we've been able to accomplish, what we've seen, what we tried and what, what might've failed and what, what's going well for us. And I think that might help them to be able to, you know, relate to us and to be able to think, you know, is this just uh, is this just for real estate brokerage? Is this just for syndication? Is this just for whatever, you know, house hacks? And they might be able to understand, you know, really what it, what it looks like. So uh, yeah, I'll start and I'll just say, yeah, growing up, my, my parents were real estate investors or still are, they still own tons of stuff. Um, so what we did uh, growing up is I did a lot of tax deeds. So tax deeds was normal for us. We, we would actually write letters and we would try to buy, you know, we try to get the title for a hundred bucks as a quit claim deed. And then we would do the rest of the taxes. And so I owned my first one in 2005, uh, my first tax deed ever uh, that I did with my dad. After that, I went into uh, apartment management. I managed apartments, uh, 18 plex, four plex and a condo for one person. And after that, I started, I did my first house hack, but it was a, it was a multi-unit, but it was like a hack because I lived there. Um, I had to use private money for it. And after that, fast forward, I'll just tell you, I did one mobile home and I was already done. One was enough. And I did, um, we owned self-storage growing up. I did um, a scrape and about eight fix and flips, I think. And uh, about 23 um owner financed or creatively financed properties. And then I got into syndicating deals. So that's kind of like my quick history. And I want Jason to kind of show you some of the different things that he's been, uh, been able to accomplish. And I want you to include the pigs and the hangers this time. Okay. I want to first start off with saying when I highlight what I've done, I, I want to do so in a way that people can, can learn from it, or maybe they hear something that's interesting to them or something they're interested in, in pursuing. And then they can maybe reach out to me because I want to add value. It's, it's not to, Hey, look at what I've done. Cause I, some of these asset classes, I didn't hundred percent succeed at. So it's not look at me. Um, it's here's what some of the things I've done. And, and if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis going forward, hopefully you'll hear some of these come out at different times and I can share a little nugget of wisdom to you. You know, I want to get creative with you and I want to add value to you and, and the guests and, and everyone. So, um, farm ground bought and sold farm ground, bought it, sold it, leased it to hunters from Louisiana kept the mineral rights. I had several oil and gas wells that I've developed uh, in, in Kansas. Um, I bird, I've house hacked, multi-unit fam, uh, residential mobile home parks. I own plane hangers. We, we've hacked some plane hangers, so we can do that on, on the cheap to keep the plane. Um, I have vacation 
We've renovated one of the oldest historic cabin complexes at Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. We have uh, rental properties in Summit County. We have new builds. We have townhome new builds projects. We have fix and flip division. We have a brokerage division, both commercial and residential. So we pretty much covered a lot of those different asset classes at some point over the last 30 years of my real estate. And again, it, it doesn't mean that's the way everyone should do it, but I hope I can take a nugget out of each of those asset class to help someone that might be wanting to get into that one and make that their niche. I don't know if you uh, forgot to talk about the hundred pads. Yeah, did, yeah, you, well, did you mention yeah. those? <laughs> that, that was uh, the, the MHP, the mobile home parks uh, was an era of my life that both my CEO Macy and myself and probably my wife and, and friends um, might, might want to forget. So <laughs> uh, it's, I know well, Brandon like- Turner and all these guys are going all in uh, with the, with the mobile homes and, and they most likely, it sounds like are doing great at it and, and crushing it. Um, I wanted to get very creative with mobile home parks and do what other people weren't. And that was one time that getting creative failed me. Uh, there, there is only so much creativeness you can do when you're buying class C quote workforce housing mobile home parks across the Midwest. So, um, so yeah. Well, what's what's one thing that the listener who's I think that this is what most listeners have heard at some of the RIAs that they attend. Uh something like this. Hey, um this asset class does well in a downturn. There's going to be a downturn soon. This is the type of asset class that you should be looking at. These are the ones that cash flow the most. These are the ones that had the lowest amount of 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 hit in yeah, the last bank, crash. Where, where they've been highlighting a lot recently in mobile home parks is it's yeah. the lowest bankruptcy, um, the lowest percentage of an asset class given back to the bank during the 08 downturn was mobile home parks. Okay, so so you have a lot of experience in in real estate. Uh, from you when you were seven, selling pigs and land and kind of doing that farm thing. And that was actually a piece where I think your dad leased the property to you. And you were like, I think you were, what were you doing? Growing pigs and, and, and yeah, becoming we, we, an auctioneer or something? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Turner at the local Anthony Citizens Bank uh, lent me a line of credit, I think it was 2,500 bucks or something. My mom co-signed because I wasn't 18, I was seven. And I bought my first set of hogs. And then I kind of partnered with my dad and um, cause you know, it was his farm ground and his feed and all that. And then we kind of set it up where I could raise those hogs and show them at the county fair and then sell them and then kind of do a, a profit split type thing. So cool. that was setting up at a young age to, start hustling. So, so for all of your experience, you've tried a lot of different things. You've been slow and steady on almost everything that you've done. I think it sounds like you went all out on, on these mobile home pads. You were able to get a a few parks, which added up to like a hundred different mobile homes. And, um, how, like, where, where were these? Were these in one city or were these on in like three cities? Yeah. The, this is what I try to do with everything in real estate and life, I try to hack it in a, in a 
in another way, get creative. Creative is hacking or it's adding value, kind of all the same mindset. Um, and with the mobile home parks, I was finding that everyone wanted to buy mobile home parks that were 100 units or greater within 150 miles of a major airport serviced by a DIA, which is Denver or uh, Atlanta or Kansas City. Well, when you go from Kansas City, 150 miles west, you go to Wichita, 150 miles north, and you go east of Denver, 150 miles, there is a lot of nowhere Kansas. That's a lot of land and, and not a ton of people, but there are a lot of towns. And, and in those towns, there were mobile home parks. So this was outside the big boys, the big funds that were buying and paying two or three or four caps. So I got, I wanted to get creative and say, I'm going to get my pilot's license and I'm going to get a plane and I'm going to fly to these small towns, 10 to 30,000, Emporia, Kansas, man, oh, well, we have some in Manhattan, Kansas, but that's, it's still a smaller town that's outside 150 miles. You, you pretty much have to drive there on I-70. Um, we had some there. Uh, we had some like Pueblo and Fort Morgan. Uh, Great Bend, Kansas is 173 miles from Wichita, which is serviced by a major airport. So it fell out of that sector so we got creative and said, we're going to buy 150 miles further than a major serviced airport in pad sites or mobile home parks that are 99 and below. And we're going to acquire them all over the Midwest, a thousand of them. We want however many. So that was our goal. And uh, we had some investors, Apple employees from Silicon Valley, and we were going to go all in as one of our divisions. So we launched Ecospace Mobile Home Park Division. So, Wow. Good stuff. And I'm sure we'll get into more of the details like throughout the podcast. Uh, you've got so many different stories from the last 31 years that you've been in the business, um, really working on it that I, I am sure that we're going to be able to get into them over time. And it's going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm really interested in this. So let me do this for you to just kind of share a little bit of whatever you feel like the listener should know about you. And then we'll get into the final five. Yeah. I, what I want people to know and when I tell those stories is about the mobile home park. I want them to know that everything I do, I try to add value to people and real estate. So every person I meet, every person I talk to, I want to add value, leave it better than you found it. And that's the same that I want to do with real estate. I want to, when I touch a piece of property or I help a first time home buyer, I want to leave them better so I want them to just know that when they're hearing me and they're maybe seeing me, if it's on online or YouTube or Facebook, um, that I genuinely want to help them. And that there is so many creative ways to hack your life, to get creative in your life, to motivate you to get to be where you want to be or the person you want to be or the relationship. And there's just, there's so many ways to get there and not everyone has to do it the same. Um, but it's all about just getting the mentorship and the motivation uh, to make that happen. So I just, if I can help one person, maybe each episode get closer to where their ultimate goal is their big why, as I call it, um, that's a win in my books. And I'll, I definitely want the, I want for the listener to know and understand why I brought you on. And so I, I really want to just talk about, uh, my thoughts of you is number one, 
we are we have a lot in common we have a lot that we're completely opposite and i love that and so i think that the perspective um that you have versus the one that i have is really going to benefit the listener so when i'm always saying focus 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 when i'm always saying go big go big go big you have that other um alternative where you're able to say hey slow and steady works um you don't have to go big you don't have to do it that way you don't have to focus on one thing if you if you can be really open minded to different uh different ways of of investing you'll be able to make a lot of money and and you've proven that and so i just think it's going to be a lot of fun co-hosting the show with you so i will say that and i think that the listeners got a lot in store for them. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the final five. Hey, it's Adam Adams. And I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses, the traditional way, you know, it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called fix and list deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the fix and list strategy over the last four years. And he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the fix and list strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. And we're back with the J. Lou. The J. Lou. Uh, Mr. Jason Lewis, what is the most creative deal you've ever done? I would hope that every deal I do is creative because that's how I want to add value. So, but that's a cheating cheater's <laughs> answer right there. So, um, I, I think I'll just say one that comes up is I bought some farm ground. I leased it to a group of hunters, uh, out of Louisiana and I cash flowed that asset for a while. And then I sold the farm ground but I kept the minerals and I was able to get a couple oil wells uh, on that. So I, I got, and then I, at the end, I kept on the deed. I put that myself and my family have rights, lifetime rights to that farm ground for uh, photographic experiences. So I have, I can go on that farm ground and take, you know, I don't have kids now, but if I ever want to, I could take them back to that farm ground near where I grew up, near where our farm was and take them out to walk around and take some photos and see the deer and turkeys and wildlife. So um, I don't own that still, but I have lifetime rights to it per the deed that's filed in Harbor County, Kansas. I have been doing over 300, 400 almost episodes on this podcast. And I've heard a little bit about mineral rights once or twice. I've heard a little bit about oil rights once or twice. But a story like that has never come up, not once. So, wow, thank you. This it's really fun. I'm really glad you're on the show. This is gonna be this is gonna be a good uh, a good banter going forth, a good amount of knowledge going forth. But I do have another question for you. What is a book that you recommend that the listener 
make sure that they read right away. And I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> the subtle art of not giving an F. Um, <laughs> so you might have to Google it a, a couple different ways. And I'm not one to use language, but um, that is the book's title. And it's, they do so, to, it's catchy. Um, and it, it does its job. But why... I like it so much is I think people, especially in this tough economic time are going to care too much about things, maybe their income, maybe their net worth, maybe their, their relationship, whatever that might be. And I think that you can't get caught up in thinking or caring about things that are out of your control. And that's what that book is all about. So I think it's when it comes to real estate investing and getting creative you, you can't care. You got to just put it out there. And when it comes to your personal happiness, uh, you, you just got to be you, you got to be Jason Lewis and you, Adam Adams is you are always triple a Adam Adams. And that's what I think so many people are attracted and drawn towards you is because you are, you no matter what, and you don't, you have a art of not giving up, about, <laughs> you know, cause you're just yeah. you and you want to add value. So perfect. I don't know if that means we have to put an explicit by just saying the letter F, but um, yeah, yeah, the subtle art of not giving a, uh, go ahead and look it up. If you are listening and you're curi curious, it's a book that I've read and I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I thought it was eye opening, and I think it makes you a better person. Uh, it makes you a better person by realizing that you can be a little bit selfish sometimes. And it was incredible to have that aha moment. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, next question. Great question. One of my favorites because it talks about where you're going to be five years from today. And the second part of the question is I really want to know and understand what you think the market's going to look like five years from today. Five years from today where we will be, I have a 10 year plan and we'll be bringing on a, as a guest, my business and life coach. It's helped me spend a year and a half building my 10-year vision. So, I mean, it is down to the verbatim, uh, a letter to three individuals where I will be in 10 years. So, I know where that is. Um, and cutting that back in half uh, is, I have a successful brokerage company that's, that's probably seven to 10 brokers. We have Five, four or five brokers right now. So we kind of want to get that seven, seven to 10 at that point and kind of cap it. You know, I know I've hit my financial number where I want to be real estate wise. Um, and then the rest is being able to add content. So certain numbers I know I want to hit in five years. Uh, and a lot of that is revolving around the content and giving back to others um, and to uh, staff and employees that we have working for a company. And where I think the economy and the real estate will be in five years, really difficult because right now we're in an economic uncertain time that's, that we don't, we don't have any idea. No one, I don't think, has any idea where we'll be in three to six months. But I do know that um, in five years, the people that are in real estate that have chosen to control what they can and then make sure that they're okay with what they can't control with where the market is in five years, they'll be okay. That I know that if you've got creative, slow and steady, and you put yourself in the right position, that the market will be wherever it needs to be for you at that time. And so if you've done that, kind of doesn't really matter where the market will be in five years. Yeah, good point. 
How do you add value to others? Yeah, I want to, I want to give back every, every time I meet someone, um, every time I talk to someone and I'm on a lot of boards and a lot of couple nonprofits that we donate and, and volunteer at that I hope every listener would are is doing similar stuff, but I just try to just add a little bit to every person. And that's different to the person in Starbucks that I, I buy their coffee in front and behind me and try to just give them a smile to making the person on the corner, giving them a jacket or whatever that is, uh, or helping that person that is just getting into real estate for the first time, helping them out. So that's, that's ultimate give back is just trying to leave it better than you found it. And the final question that we ask all of our guests is where did the name J Lou come from? <laughs> uh, I am a, a farm kid and, and I used to say J- Jason Lewis real kind of quick and it slurred together and then uh, kind of came from that and then had a fraternity brother back in the day, tie it all together. And then when I came to college and people didn't uh, really know me and, and you're meeting all these new people, then it just kind of spread. And that's what everyone just started calling me. Uh, and then, and then uh, JLo became famous. And <laughs> uh, my first job at CB Richard Ellis, a 72 year old top broker, um, wanted to be cool and call me by my nickname. And he kept calling me JLo. So it was, it got a little awkward at times. Uh, <laughs> so that was, uh, especially in meetings when he'd call me JLo and people would kind of look at me like a little, what's going on here? So that's how it came about. Just like I, Jason Lewis and a redneck slur all together kind of sound like J Lou. <laughs> Love it. Uh, what's the best way for the listener to find you and get a hold of you? Hopefully this podcast, hopefully they're listening to it. Uh, every episode gleaming some information and then reaching out to me, but then how they specifically reach out to me uh, is, is my email. That's Jason at ecospace.com. J A S O N at E C O space.com shoot me an email and we'll get something uh, on the books to see if if we can get creative together and i can maybe help help you along your creative journey if you're driving and you're like oh no do i have to pull over and write down that uh that email address don't even worry it's already in the show notes all you got to do is scroll down a bit as soon as you pull over you can scroll down you click it and you already have j Lou's contact info Jason Lewis, what a pleasure to have you on the show today. What a pleasure to be able to partner with you on all the future episodes as we go forward. Um, I'm excited. I think this is going to be great. And you add such an immense amount of value, just like you, your, your hashtag value add. You add such an immense amount of value to what we're doing on the show. Um, I, I love your personality and how you always want to give back and how you always want to add value. So looking forward to how this turns out. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, 
and this is it. Visit fixandlesssecrets.com. See you on our next episode.